You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. You know what struck me when we were singing that last song was just the faithfulness of God. That, that is his character. That's just not, not something he can manage to do every once in a while. That's the, that's the character of our Father, that he's faithful. And it's, his faithfulness is never dependent on us. Praise God for that, right? Man, I'm so glad for that. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the creek. I'm glad you chose to engage with us here and at home uh, in your living room. Uh, so hope you got the volume turned up to 11. I'll try not to shout and bust any sound bars this week or anything like that. But, uh, you know, no promises, baby. But this week is uh, Veterans Day. And I would just like to say to all of our veterans, thank you. We appreciate you. Through your sacrifice, we get to uh, experience some of the turmoil that we experienced this week, right, as a nation. We have the freedom to use a voice that many don't have, and that's because there were men and women that, that paid an ultimate sacrifice and stood on the front line and stood down the face of, of tyranny so that we as a people, as a nation, uh, could argue about the things we even get to argue about, right? And I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your sacrifice. We have a table set up. We have some stuff, some goodies and things like that. And we just love to love to love on you. So thank you for what you do. Um, and uh, we're proud of you. We're in a series called Alone. And we've been working through this foundational elements of our faith that, that, that when we look at the, kind of what our, the bedrock and the foundation is for our faith and our, our life with Christ, there are things that, that we have to come back to. And this year has just been a, a foundation year, right? I feel like God is just constantly driving me back to foundations. I remember in, 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 in late March, I was speaking with one of my mentors and thinking, I just don't know how this year's going to go. I just, you know, it's just funny because every pastor, I was the same way, stood up in January and was like, 2020, it's a year of clarity of vision. And, and you know, man, do I wish I could take that series back. But uh, God's challenged me on it that, that, hey, I might not see it, but he always sees it, right? And I might not always be the good and the faithful, but he is always good and faithful. And this, was, this year was not a surprise to God, y'all. And what I've learned that even in the chaos of this year, the clarity of God has become so much more tangible in my life. And I was speaking with one of my mentors, and I just said, man, I just, I just don't know. I don't know what to do. And I said, as a pastor, I mean, I don't know what to do. And I said, I'm praying. I don't, I'm not getting any divine revelation and the Holy Spirit saying, hey, say this this week. Yeah, I mean, I just, I was, I was in a tailspin. And he said something so important that, that I think has driven a lot of where we've gone as a church this year that I believe it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me through him. And he said, when you hit crisis like this, he said, you go back to what you know. You go back to the basics, man. You, you know, we get off and add all this other stuff, but you get back to the basics. You get back to what you know. And, and, and you know, the, the line from the movie Princess Bride hit me, you know, he said to go back into the beginning. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm taking us back into the beginning. And, and, and we're going back to this foundations of our faith called the solas, the five solas. They were actually... Um, written by Martin uh, Luther in the year 1500, and, and he nailed this thesis to the, to the church in Germany, and it was all about uh, how faith had gotten way off track, how we'd added all this other stuff, 
And we'd, we'd really turned faith into a business and a game and, and a behavioral modification and a power control uh, and, and just all this craziness. And, and, and just like then, that, the foundation of that Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, came out with these five solas. That those five solas are, it, it is sola scriptura, that it is a word of God. Stop trying to add to the word of God and stop trying to take away from the word of God. The word of God stands and stands on its own and will stand for all eternity. It is sola gratia, which is grace and grace alone. We unpacked that last week, and, and grace is just a beautiful, beautiful thing that comes from our Father and gives, opens up salvation. This week, we're going to talk about sola fide, which is only faith alone, that, that, that faith alone in solus Christus, which is in Christ alone, and then our lives are soli deo glory. It's all alone for the glory of God. And, and, and whenever we start getting distracted about what my life should be about, or is it Jesus and anything else? Is it faith plus? Uh, is it Jesus plus? Is it grace plus? Is it the word of God plus? Look, we just got to go back to the foundational element, right? And, and, and Martin Luther wrote this, but here's the thing. He's, he, it was nothing new. All of this is principles found in the word of God. That, that he begins to show us and God is unpacking for us. If you got your Bible, go to Galatians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be this weekend. And uh, looking at this uh, idea of sola fide, faith alone. And um, I, I, I kind of gave a little spoiler and teaser last week about faith coming into Christmas, right? When you ask a kid about Christmas, there is faith, right? It's not, I hope I get. They're like, I'm getting. I'm getting. And by the way, you saw the, you saw the, the, the video roll uh, about our Christmas blessing. Um, that's kicking off again this weekend. Our team has spent about, about two months previous to this weekend uh, getting everything ready for you to now sponsor kids because there are kids in our community that they're struggling with that faith. They don't know if they're going to have Christmas. And for 10 years, the Creek Church has said, uh, not on my watch. And we've adopted families in our local schools, and we've been able to provide Christmas. This year is a change-up. Instead of us taking the gifts to the school, the, the parents and the families are coming to the creek uh, to do the gift pickup, and we need, we need a lot of hands on deck for that. And let me say, you sitting at home, you may not feel comfortable coming in, on campus and getting a kid, so we've got a way that you can do it from the safety of your own computer. Um, so... This year is a season of joy, right? We want to give joy. So email us at joy, J-O-Y, at thecreekfw.com. That's also one of our staff members, joy. But it just comes off the tongue. So right, right? So email joy. If you're, if you're here, you can pick up a packet, but email joy at thecreekfw.com, and you can get a, a child. You can shop all online, and we are going to have a drop-off day, so we, we will do a non-contact drop-off if you're not comfortable coming up on campus. Just pull up, open your trunk. We will take the stuff out. We're also doing that in conjunction with a mobile food pantry the following Saturday. So that is going to be a week of us just really intensely loving and pouring into our community, all for the purpose of not food and Christmas, but for that, that, that hope of the gospel, right? So that somebody's faith, somebody's going to get saved this Christmas. And they're going to look back and they're going to, what was the catalyst for you making a decision for Jesus? What was a catalyst for you finally surrendering that faith to Jesus? And they're going to say, there was a group of strangers that I don't know that love me enough to help me take care of my family. I believe people are going to get saved this Christmas because, because of what you do. 
And I love that God chooses to work in us that way. So faith at Christmas. I mean, so what are you getting for Christmas? Here's what I'm getting. Here's what I'm asking for. Here's what I'm getting. And, 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 and it's amazing how we start to add on to things like faith, right? You know, well, you just have faith and behave, right? You just have faith and eat your broccoli, right? Or if you've seen the commercials that kids won't eat broccoli, so mac and cheese, right? That's, the, that's not a healthy option, by the way, but, you cover anything with cheese, you know, it makes it better, right? I'm convinced if you put gravy on anything, man, I'm just, I'm in a gravy rut right now. It feels like I can't have it, but I want it so bad. But we talk about faith plus, and that's what's going on in, in this city called Galatia. And Paul writes a letter back to the church to kind of clear up some issues that are going on in the Galatian churches because they're, they're, there's, a, there's a group of folks called the Judaizers. So the Judaizers were believers in Jesus, but then also wanted to add law to these Gentiles that were getting saved. And so it creates this whole issue that, that the Judaizers who are, who are saved Jews that would look at a Gentile coming in and going, absolutely, we want you to be saved and we want you to walk in the grace of God. And you got to have, it's about, it's about faith, but you also got to do some, you got to follow the law. And in their particular instance, it was about circumcision. You got to believe in Jesus and you have to be circumcised. And, and, you know, we look at that and go, that's a little off the wall there, but, but isn't it amazing how in our context, we start to add things onto faith? I mean, you, you have to have faith in Jesus, and, and, you, and I, listen, we, we throw all kinds of religious activity. You know, if you have faith and you give, if you have faith and you show up to church, I mean, we've got a bunch of people that are basically pulling a lever on a time clock type situation with Jesus, thinking that's going to get them what they want. I mean, I, I've, I've wrestled with this. I mean, when my life is going through turmoil, I'm like, God, I, I, I did all this for you. And he said, I appreciate that. And I blessed the work that I called you to do. But that doesn't obligate me. I mean, we think, well, I believe in Jesus and I, and I, and I gave, I've, I've given. And so why am, I, why, why am I losing my job? Why am I in so, so much financial turmoil? And we start to add on. And then what happens is we'll, we'll take Jesus and move him to the side, and then we reduce Christianity to this behavioral modification system. We're like, if we can act good enough, God will give us what we want. So we try to be good kids with our own behavior to get the attention of God so that he will bless us. And then we get wrapped up into if you just have enough faith, if you just have enough faith. And, and, and Paul's going to write this letter to say, you got to get back to the basics here. It is faith, period. Not faith plus. It is faith period. And he begins, to, he begins to unpack this with them. So Galatians chapter 3, I'll start verse 5 to give you some context. But he says this, does he who, supply, who supplies the Spirit, that's capital S, the Holy Spirit, does he who gives you the Holy Spirit and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? We continue because he asks the question now, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness? See, we, we, there's a statement in Genesis 15, 6 about Abraham. That when God shared his plan with them, Abraham's response to God was, I believe you, Lord. And in Genesis 15, 6, it says he believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. And Paul's asking the church, hey, the, the one who gives you the Holy Spirit and does all these things among you, works the signs and the wonders and the miracles, the one, the one who does all of that, 
Does he do it by the law or does he do it like he did with Abraham by faith? That's a question he puts to the church and they have to come back with some kind of an answer. Obviously, no, it's not our effort. It's not my ability to do anything. It's the faithfulness of God working through the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish his purpose for the glory of God. And this, this word counted, when he says it was counted to Abraham as righteous, it's an accounting term. It, it, it means imputed. It means to take from one account to another. And, and what happens is by, by faith, what Paul is showing us is that, it's that by faith, we trust Jesus as Savior and he puts his righteousness on our account. It's like direct deposit. Indirect, direct deposit, awesome thing. I mean, I wake up one morning, I'm like, it's payday. Boom, it's there. I didn't, I didn't have to go to the bank. I mean, remember, remember having to go stand in a line and cash a check? Some of y'all young ones, y'all, y'all don't even know what a check is. But, but <laughs> I'm down to like writing three checks in my life a month. And then I just, I, I, I dropped one because we got Zell. I'm like, where's this been all my life? It's nice when the Zelle money comes in. You know, like my daughter's like, hey, when you're at Costco, can you get me X, Y, Z, da, 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 and just tell me how much it is? Yeah, it was $182. Zelle, bing, psh, money in my account. That's what imputed righteousness means, right? It's by faith. It's not my effort. That when I believe, what happens is the righteousness of God is, boom, it's directly deposited onto my account. What was my account? My account was, had a major deficit because of sin and brokenness. And the interest I was earning off of my sin was guilt and shame. And by the grace of God, this gift that he gives me through grace, by faith, that righteousness is given. It says Abraham believed God and it directly deposited, God directly deposited righteousness on Abraham. Not just the promises, not just God been faithful with Abraham. Here's what I'm telling you about that I'm going to do through you. But when Abraham believed, hey, the promise is there, but also you're the righteousness of God. You are now established in that. And, and so um, there was a belief that salvation was inherited. You know, the Judaizers would go, well, f- since we're offspring of Abraham, we're in the genealogy of Abraham, then we're automatically saved. I mean, I, I, get, that, I get that a little bit. T- in this context of our culture today, like, you know, when they find out I'm a pastor, you know, after they do the rewinding of the conversation, like, what did I say? You know, then, then it's going to come out. Well, yeah, my, 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 my grandmother was, man, she was a solid, faithful Christian. My grandfather was a preacher. I'm like, that was their faith. You, 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 salvation isn't inherited. Praise God you had a grandma that was praying for you. or You had a grandfather that was a, a preacher. But, but, but where's your faith? Because it's not inherited. Paul's like, look, it, that's not how you enter the promise. You've got to come to this on your own. You've got to put your faith in Christ Jesus. And then he says, know then that those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith Preach the gospel before him to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So you don't get it because you're born into a certain family. You get it 
Well, you actually are born into a certain family. You've got to be reborn into the family of God, but you don't get it because, because your, your DNA, you share a DNA in a family tree with Abraham. You've got, you got to be born into the family of God, and that is by faith. It's the children of faith that are blessed along with the man of faith, and this isn't just to the Jews now. He's speaking to a church that's got a group of Jews and a group of Gentiles, and what unites them is, is Jesus Christ. And so by faith, we share in the blessing and the promise that was given to Abraham. Paul's saying God gave the promise to Abraham, and because of faith, you now are a child of faith through the man of faith, and the promise and the blessing is now yours. It's not just someone else's. Abraham got it by faith. You get it by faith. It's, it's all by faith. And what, what I love about this, Paul's getting ready to go into this section because to the Jews that, 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 that are pushing this on the Gentiles, it was all about the law. And Paul's going to go back to the law. I mean, he's already gone back to Abraham, who, who was a patriarch for them. And he goes back to Abraham, and he's going to go from there to use Abraham and the law to show them that's wrong what you're thinking. It is by faith. It started with Abraham by faith, the father of your faith. It's by faith, and you've got to come back to that. And the greatest blessing and the promise that God, God gives through this, 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 this interaction and, and thing with Abraham is this salvation through Jesus Christ because Jesus was born through the lineage of Abraham. And so we think, what's the blessing? He says, all families of earth will be blessed through Abraham. What's the blessing? We have the opportunity to interact and engage with a risen Savior. It's not about the law and it's not about Abraham. It's about Jesus and his finished work on the cross. And so the logic that Paul's unpacking for them is this. He says, if God promised to save the Gentiles by faith, right, then the Judaizers are wrong by adding law for salvation. Because if, if, if God told Abraham Way back in the beginning in the Old Testament, he says, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He didn't say just, just, just the nation of Israel will be blessed. At that point, by faith, God is saying, I'm going to save the Gentiles by faith. He's demonstrating it is by faith. So, so Paul's saying to the Judaizers, you're wrong for adding anything onto them. I mean, Peter was one of the apostles who actually was at a, a council in Jerusalem. He, goes, he said, how can we lay this burden on our brothers? When we ourselves, we ourselves were under a curse of the law and we couldn't obtain the, the righteousness through the law. If, if we couldn't do it, why on earth are we putting it on people expecting them to do it? What does that translate to? How in the world can we walk around claiming Christ is our Savior and living like a Christian and say, that's my, that's my banner that I live under and expect a lost world to live up to a standard we can't even live up to? When we get so frustrated with people and God said, look, you need grace, but you know my grace. Stop getting so frustrated with people who haven't yet come into a life-changing relationship because of my grace. Stop adding stuff on people, y'all. And I, I do it. I can't live up to it, so I need somebody else to. No, no, no. I, I can't live up to it, but Jesus did. I can't fulfill this law. I can't fulfill righteousness, but Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, did. So instead of trying to put it on somebody else, Jesus says, I took it on. I took it on. I took it on at the cross. That's why he tells us 
If you're weary and heavy laden because you can't fulfill, you can't find this fulfillment, you can't live up to these standards, stop trying. Stop striving so hard. Come to me if you're weary and I will give you rest for your souls. I will pour into you the peace of God that takes the weight that you're struggling with and I will pull that off and I will bless you with my yoke because it is easy, it is well-fitting, it is for you and it's not to be laid down with all these extra burdens that you're not designed to carry. That's what Paul's unpacking for these, these, this church in Galatia. I mean, this, this, was a, this would have been a hard thing for them to hear because it's like, ooh, what have I been putting on somebody? Now he starts using the law to bring it back. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Paul is now, now quoting Deuteronomy 27, verse 26, and what he's showing is that the law demands obedience, not just obedience to some parts, because we go, well, well, well let, me, let me see the law and let me tell you what I can, I can fulfill. No, no, the, the, the command for obedience is total obedience, You can either fulfill it all yourself or you fulfill none of it. And because none of us can fulfill it, what the law does, it's it's, it's the schoolmaster, right, to show us you can't live this way. You're under the curse. You are under a curse that that, that you cannot get out from under. You have to have obedience to all of it. And then then he goes on. When he says uh, uh, in verse 11, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for... And now he quotes Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous shall live by faith. When he says the righteous, some translations say, say, and the just shall live by faith. That word just means the justified. The justified will live by faith. Well, how am I justified? By faith. By faith, I'm justified before God and that righteousness is imputed onto me. But the law is not of faith, rather. The one who does them shall live by them. Again, he's going back to say, this is Leviticus 18.5. He's using more law. He's like, you, you, this, I'm revealing to you this curse because you want to try to live by this, but you cannot live by this. And as I was praying through this, 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 just, this just stood out to me. It says this, the law says, do and live. Do this and you'll live. Faith, grace says, believe by faith and live. What does that do? It, it takes the work off of us. It's not do this and live. And and when I say do this and live, most of us walk around going, if I do this, God will love me. If I do this, God will be pleased with me. Or if I don't do this, God will love me. God will be pleased with me. And he's like, "My, my, listen to this. If you get nothing else, listen to this. God's pleasure in you is not based on you. Did you get that? God's pleasure in you is not based on what you do or don't do or can or can't do. Oh, that's, that, that, okay, go back to the, this is free right here. Go back to the baptism of Jesus. When Jesus shows up to John the Baptist to get baptized, John looks up and says, oh, I gotta be, you should be baptized in me. He said, no, no, I'm doing this out of obedience to my father. 
Jesus, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, you know, and, and I don't know if John said the same thing. We say, you're buried with Christ in death. We said, you're buried with you in death and raised by you to walk in, I mean, I don't But he comes up out of the water and it says that the voice of the Father speaks over his baptism. And he says what? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. God's saying, I'm connected to him. I have a relationship with him. And my, Jesus hadn't performed a miracle yet. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead. Jesus hadn't called the disciples. Jesus hadn't walked on water. Jesus hadn't fed thousands of people. Jesus hadn't opened the eyes of blind. Jesus hadn't raised others from the dead. No, no. God says, this is my son. I know you. You are mine. And my pleasure is in you, not in what you're going to do. Some of y'all need to get that through to, it, it, so you realize my, God looks at me and his pleasure in me is, a, is achieved by faith, not by my action, not by my behavior. It is by faith. Abraham believed God. Abraham placed his faith in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. All the righteousness of God was put onto his account. He didn't say, I'm gonna give it to you installment to see if, if you're good enough, I'll add, some more, I'll add some more righteousness. The fullness of God's righteousness was given at that moment of faith. Wow, man, y'all got me preaching now. I got to get back on this. Hmm. Thank you, Lord, for that. That was awesome. And he goes on. He's talking about this curse. He says, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written. I, I told you I like to look at different translations. And I was reading the New Living Translation, and there was that, there, there that, that two-word phrase again that starts about it. You were under a curse of the law. Cursed is, is everyone who can't maintain this. And in the New Living Translation, verse 13 says this, but Christ. I love that. Christ redeems us from the curse of the law. And redeemed, it, it, what it means in the Greek is this, that it, it means to, it's a business transaction where you purchase a slave for the purpose of their freedom. See, Jesus purchased us with his blood, not to keep us in bondage, not to keep us in slavery, but he purchased us because he's buying our freedom. I mean, come on, where are you on the freedom ministry at right now? I mean, you've been walking through that. You're realizing that God has purchased your freedom through the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus on the cross and the work of the Holy Spirit moving in you tells you, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to my past, but I have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law so that I can live in freedom. That's powerful, y'all. It's powerful. Jesus redeems us. How does he do that? By becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, we're back to Abraham, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's you and I, praise God, that we might receive the promised spirit through faith, period. You're trying to live under the law and it's, it's highlighting the curse that you're under. But Jesus has taken that curse on himself to redeem us from the curse of the law so that in Christ, 
the promise that was offered to Abraham can be given to us and we receive the promised Holy Spirit by faith. Faith alone. When I was wrestling through this teaching, I I just want to touch on three things real quick. Faith is, faith in, and faith does, okay? This first one is, is faith is confidence that God's promises are for us. Not confidence in ourself. But faith is confidence. Where, do, where am I getting that? It's Hebrews 11, verse 1. And, and we will see that it says, now faith is the assurance. Assurance When you translate that in Greek, it is confidence. Faith is confidence in God. Go back to Christmas, right? I mean, we receive gifts, and some of them you know what you're going to get, and you know, you play the game, act surprised. Heather and I do that. It's like, hey, I bought my Christmas present. Okay, act surprised on Christmas morning. And then there's some stuff you don't know what you're getting. This is surprises, right? But that's faith. That's faith. It is a common, faith is a combination of assurance and anticipation, right? Because there's things we know that God is good. God is on the throne. God is sovereign. God is faithful. God is holy. God is perfect. And then there's surprises like 2020. And those surprises don't change my confidence. Later, later on in that same chapter, that the writer of Hebrews is going to challenge the, the, the readers like, who stole your confidence? Why did you throw your confidence away? Faith is the confidence that God's promises are for us. And, and we can't muster up faith, y'all. We don't fake it till we make it. How do you get faith? It's Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And Christ is himself the word. Look, if your faith is struggling right here, I mean, if, 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 you're, if you've got, if you've got a, a, a messed up muscle, you're going to do rehab. What are you going to do? You're going to work that muscle, right? Okay, if your faith is, is, is struggling right now, look, turn off the news and turn on the word of God. You know why they call it breaking news? Because it's going to break you. Right here is the healing news. Right here is the reconciliation news. Right here, y'all, listen to this, it's the good news. If your faith is struggling, get, get, in, get in the good news. So faith is, faith in. We place our faith in Jesus to open the promises of God. Not faith in myself. So, so Romans 10, 9 says, some of y'all, this is a famous verse, but if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? And so we know that that, that, that's that faith. And and some of y'all struggle with that. Like, what's the step one on this? Step one, look, believe in God's character, right? He is who he says he is. And then we progress. I believe, God, that you are who you say you are. And now this promise, I believe you'll do what you said you will do. Because he's faithful every time. So I trust in Jesus. And Jesus is God. I mean, let me just clear up the confusion, you know. 
Jesus is God. God is the triune God, right? He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. They are distinctly three, yet one. It's not like God's like, well, let me put on my Jesus hat and puts on, zips up skin and comes down to earth. No, it, it is fully God. It's not like after the crucifixion, Jesus is like, well, how am I going to pull this off? Oh, I'm the Spirit. Now, no, they are distinctly three, yet one. That's the triune nature of God. They exist in perfect relationship and perfect unity. And Jesus is the fullness of God. And Jesus is going, we place our faith in Jesus, God in the flesh, born by the Holy Spirit from the Father. Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. He's the cornerstone, not just the foundation. He's the stone in which it all hinges. And we are being built up, Ephesians tells us, that we're built up in him. And there's this foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone. The apostles laid a foundation. We're being built up as the church. And Jesus is, even to take us back to the importance of this foundation about placing our faith in Jesus, Jesus tells a story about the wise and the foolish builders. It's in Matthew chapter 7 when he says, one man built his house on the sand and one man built his house on the rock. And when the storm came, the one whose house was on the sand, the house came crumbling down. Jesus is trying to illustrate to us what is your faith built on? Because we know storms are coming. But he says, get on the solid rock. What, what, do you, what does your faith stand on? So y'all like different versions. Remember a couple weeks ago, I, I kind of made the King James folks a little upset. Because um, I showed that graphic, and King James isn't the most anointed and holy version, um, but it's the Word of God, right? I'm not, I'm not here. If you're King James, great, man. But I'm going to throw down some King James for y'all tonight. Bring it on. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance means the foundation. What are you standing on? What is your faith standing on? What is your faith built on, and it needs to be built on faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, and faith does. Through faith alone, I'm declared, I'm counted by God, righteous before him. That's the power of God at work. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone, and then we receive the promised Holy Spirit. And let me just just briefly share with you this ministry of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that the Holy Spirit seals us and guarantees, gives us a guarantee of our inheritance. What's that inheritance? It's the promises of God when we believe in Jesus. And this promise, look, look Acts, Acts tells us that, that Acts 2 is, it's not just for you, Abraham, but this promise is for, for you and me and all who are far off and all who will come to faith. And that moment of faith, when we declare by faith, Jesus, you are Lord, and I believe that God raised you from the dead, at that moment of declaration, the Holy Spirit stamps us and says, you are God's righteousness. You are in God's love. You are in his promises. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I love this. You know, it's talking about Jesus, but it says, for, for, for God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The Holy Spirit constantly testifies that truth to us. Holy Spirit's constantly testifying, constantly testifying. Hey, 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 remember that financial transaction? I still got the receipt, y'all. You're the righteousness of God. Let the striving cease. 
Stop adding on. Just get back to faith. Just get back to that. The challenge is for us now that through Christ, we can receive the promises of God that were given to Abraham and we receive the Spirit through faith and faith alone. So what do you do with your faith? My, my hope is that, that you, you put your faith in Jesus and you receive that grace and then you share it because our world needs it, man. I, mean, I hear people say, well, my faith is private. My faith is personal. Let me, let me clear it up. Your faith is very personal, but it's not private. I mean, Jesus said, you don't light a candle and put it under a bucket. That candle, that, that light, Jesus lit that in you. It's very personal. Well, you better get it up on the stand because we got a dark world that needs to see the goodness and the light and the grace and the mercy of God and a world that is so exhausted of striving to figure things out and they need to hear, it's just by faith. That's too easy. Yeah, I know, because we've complicated the fool out of everything around our world. But yes, it's that easy. It's by faith that God chooses to give us grace, saves us, and says, go share it. Father, we thank you for faith. Jesus, thank you for redeeming us from the curse of the law. Thank you for redeeming me and us from the curse of our own efforts. And your word says that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus, your Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Father, I'm asking for those that aren't sure, those that have never come to this moment. I I pray that the striving stops and just by faith, they say, Jesus, I confess that you're Lord. And I believe, I don't understand it, but I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I know that you are faithful and your promises are faithful. And in that moment, I believe you have saved me. You have set me on a destiny of eternity with you. You've redeemed me, and you now call me the righteousness of God because of what you did for me, Jesus. By faith, I accept it. I don't understand it all, but I will spend the rest of my life and the rest of eternity trying to figure it out with you. Thank you. I'm praying for people to be saved, not just at Christmas, but this weekend, this moment that they're saved by your good grace, your amazing grace through a declaration of faith, that faith that saves and redeems us and calls us into your promises. It's for your beautiful, wonderful, powerful name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at